watch it. Drink it in. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Big Six Podcast, Season 2. Today, I'm joined by Ethan. All right, guys, how are you doing? How are all doing good? And special guest, Hajir. I'm good, I'm good. I'm happy to be on. I'm tired, yeah, but like, all, always got time to speak football. So, yeah, let's go. Love that. Great to have you on, mate. Uh, so, we'll be discussing the various midweek games and, of course, a big Chelsea segment, considering Hajir's a Chelsea fan. So, we'll get straight into it with the highest scoring game of the weekend. I mean, City weekend, weekday, sorry. City Leipzig, nine goal thriller. Didn't watch the game to say. I don't know if you guys watched the game or not. I caught bits of it, yeah. Um, yeah, same. See, see, I sort of expected this to be a routine win for City, but obviously it didn't really go that way with a bit more, uh, bit higher scoring, but obviously lots of good individual performances. I mean, before we talk about City, I've got to give a big shout-out to Christopher Nkunku, who's a great talent already, but he really announced his name on the world stage of a hat-trick in this game. And, you know, Leipzig, you know what you're going to get with them. You know, they're really good going forward. But defensively, again, I mean, without Upamecano now, very, very suspect. And to let in six is incredibly disappointing. You can't be around the bush. But, you know, City have been free-flowing, as they always are so far this season, scoring lots of goals. I mean, obviously, Jack Grealish's Champions League debut, he played very, very well. It was good to see Nathan Ake on the score sheet, obviously, with everything's going on with him at the moment. It's a really touching story and, you know, we wish him well and stuff like that. But it was good to see him on the score sheet and, you know, they managed to rest a few players as they tend to do in the Champions League. So, yeah, pretty routine from City in the end, as you come to expect in these sort of games. But, I mean, it is impressive how they can make a game like that look so easy without even, like, us batting an eyelid, really. And that does, unfortunately, show how good of a team they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nine got six to score six goals is crazy. I, I don't think the keepers really felt like playing. There were a few lovely goals, though, has to be said. I think Cancelo's, but keeper maybe could have done better there. And Grealish's was lovely as well. But, uh, Hajir, do you think now, with the two results, the one we'll talk about in a sec, do you think that puts City in the perfect position to top the group? I, I think City will top the group. I watched PSG, which I assume we're going to come to later, but they weren't good. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, I watched part of the City game. Um, they just look so good. Just look at Jack Grealish. The guy hasn't even been there for a long time. And he's playing like he's been there for years. He is such a good player. He has everything you want. You want in a winger, yeah. And I want him at Chelsea. Obviously, now with the Man City, yeah, he just makes him so much better. He is such a good creator. He is just an, like an amazing player to watch. And I think I think they got us the first first spot in the bag unless Messi produces some magic and stops them. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. I think I mean we'll go straight on to PSG. They were just really disappointing from what I heard. Once again, I didn't watch the game because for some reason um, UEFA thought it'd be a great idea to have all the games or all the best games on at the same time. So cheers for that. But yeah, PSG were just really disappointing. You can have all the names on the pitch, but. If you've got a manager who's far more suited to a rebuild and I don't think he's good enough for the pressure which PSG will have on him, particularly someone like Tuchel, who they got rid of, and you see what he's done with Chelsea and, you know, he could have been that guy easily. And, you know, just chucking a bunch of names without too much balance doesn't always work. And, you know, we've, we found how important balance can be in football. And PSG against that Bruce team, who's to, who played absolutely brilliantly, is what I heard once again. I'm not going to say I watched it because I didn't, but... I think Lang, the Dutch winger, had a really good game, supposedly. De Kau, I, I can't even remember his name. but Striker. Think, yeah, he had a yeah. brilliant game. The, they, they all play well. The literal, I watched that game, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, by the way. But 
uh, I did watch that game, and like, I'm, you know, chemistry in FIFA, yeah, yeah. Like, PSG literally played like they had ten chemistry. Like, it was woeful, <laughs> so bad. Like, you could see some link up between Mbappe and Messi, and I think you will see a lot a more, a lot more from them two together in the future, obviously. But like, it was just so, so boring. Like, Vijnaldum was absolutely terrible. He was so bad. Like, literally terrible. Yeah, I think they missed Verratti loads. But uh, things just didn't click, yeah. Like, whenever Messi did his passings, uh, a uh, club Brigga player was there to intercept. Like, usually, like, they were just on it. They intercepted everything. But to be fair, yeah, like, if you do watch yeah, every other, what's it called, Champions League game this weekend, like, all small teams kind of performed. Like, for uh, Zealand, well, I, I, I'm not saying Zealand are small, yeah, but, like, Zealand performed... I'm not saying Milan are small, but like Milan at Anfield, yeah, like they perform. Uh, obviously, Krubrigge perform. I'm not saying Leipzig are small, but they perform kind of, kind of still at Etihad. So it just shows that everybody seems to be up for it. And obviously, yeah, now now that they have their fans back and with the and with the atmosphere they will have, obviously they will be up for it more. Especially since I think this is the first time many of these PS players start together. Yeah, uh, so I just think you, you you need to be patient, yeah, if they click. Yeah, well, they will be absolutely like they might win the Champions League if they don't click. Yeah, it's looking peak for them still because not winning, not winning the Champions League for them is a failure of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, I can back that, that last sure. time, didn't we, Matt? Yeah, I mean, one of our biggest disappointments. We pretty much said that anything other than winning it or at least the final would be disappointing. I think you made an interesting point there, and something needs to take away from these games that the so-called smaller side slash underdogs like these games are absolutely massive for them. And I feel like maybe PSG took it for granted a little bit how big of a task it would be to play against Club Bruges. And, you know, they left everything out on the pitch and they got a brilliant result. And they were, like you said, full value for it. I think you could even argue they could have won the game. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I mean, once again, I'm only going off highlights and stuff. But I do also completely agree as well with that point. You've seen even in the Premier League so far, you come to another team's stadium, it's a complete different ball game to last season where you don't really have a home advantage. Obviously, with no fans, if you go like 1-0 down early or something like that, you've got no fans to, you know, be toxic to you and drive the other team, you know, to maybe get a second or just control the game, essentially. But now, when you've got, no, when you've got you know, from one extreme to the other, no fans to all the fans, it's just such a huge difference. And it was quite funny what you mentioned about Genie Wijnaldum as well, which we'll talk about his former club very shortly. I know quite a lot of fans weren't the biggest fan of him in the end uh, with his you know, tension at Liverpool. So that'll be an interesting one to see how he does the rest of his time at PSG, particularly how he's, advanced, how he's so advanced for like Holland. But you know, PSG hasn't exactly set the light. His midfield counterpart, and Herrera, has. He scored, what, like three or four goals in the league and already won in Champions Not sure what's up there, but fair enough. Um, but yeah, we will just have to give that PSG to, uh, side time and things don't happen overnight, right? It is just what you said about the chemistry thing as well. It's just a whole new group of players who need to gel. That's why buying a whole new 11 pretty much isn't, you know, the most recommended thing, but... I mean, when you have the money to do it and you can buy the quality of plays they do, you know, what's stopping you? But anyways, we'll move on to Group B now. Atletico Madrid v Porto, the most obvious nil-nil you're probably ever going to see. And Liverpool AC Milan, a brilliant game of football. Really enjoyed watching it. I don't know if you guys watched it or not, but 
end to end. I thought Liverpool first like twenty five minutes were really dominant and really impressive, and then they missed the penalty and a brilliant save from Mignan as well. Uh, and then they went up the other end, got a goal a few minutes later, and got another one in quick succession. And all of a sudden, Liverpool find themselves behind. And I was impressed as well with how Liverpool came back from that. Obviously, that Henderson goal was absolutely superb. <clears throat> and I was really impressed with both teams, to be honest. Like, I think first 25 minutes, as I say, Liverpool just completely blew Milan out the water. But I think Milan did really well to recover and... A lot of that is thanks to Mike Maynard, who's one of my signings of the summer, or if not my favourite signing. Just such a good keeper for the fee they paid. The perfect guy to replace Donnarumma. And he showed just how good he can be with the saves he made in that first half, particularly. I feel like that was one of those nights where Liverpool just felt inevitable. Like Obviously, the atmosphere was electric, as it usually is at Anfield on nights like this. And it did feel like, even though they went behind, especially when they got the equaliser, it just felt like that it was inevitable they were going to go on to win this game. And, you know, it was a goal worthy of winning from uh, brilliant from Henderson. I, you are right about my nan. He did have a good game, but if I was to have a criticism, I feel like he could have done more to prevent Salah's equaliser. Yeah, definitely. He stuttered a little bit rather than potentially come out. And if you can't claim it, at least try and block the sort of path. But as soon as the ball went over the top and he didn't come, I mean, it was definitely going to be a goal. And yeah, Liverpool did deserve the win. They did play very well in the game, but you know, Milan looked like a good side and they did back up our claims that you know they could do quite well in the Champions League, especially with Aiden on the. I think they play each other next, so that'll be a massive game for Milan. If they can get a result there, then I certainly think they could do It's almost like these two, this group is split into two types of teams. One very deep block type oriented of Atletico Madrid and Porto, and the other very attacking, front-footed approach of AC Milan and Liverpool. So... It's a very interesting group to keep an eye on and I'm sure it will be one which goes down to the wire unless if Atletico drop more points, which could be significant. I won't really say too much on Group C. Dortmund did well to beat Besiktas at Besiktas, what we spoke about with the home crowd. And Ajax stumped Sporting, which is not an easy task considering they nearly went invincible last season. And, you know, just have some very good players like Pedro Goncalves. I think Pedro Poro is still there. Um... Some other guys who are just obviously Nuno Mendes, which is a bit tough. But Sebastian Haller, four goals for him. I mean, you can't say fairer than that, really. Unbelievable to see. And, you know, I hope things work out for him because he, he struggled at West Ham, never really got played in his preferred role after he had such a good time at Frankfurt. And, you know, he goes to Ajax and gets four goals. And he's been pretty, he's not been like insane, but I think he's been pretty good since coming to. So that's a good thing to see. And then the next group is also quite a self-expansion one. There's not really much to say. What Sheriff um, somehow managed to want. Not somehow. I mean, they clearly deserved it. Or they just beat them regardless. But I'm looking at these stats now, to be fair. 75% possession for Shakhtar and nearly double their shots. But they lost 2-0 to Sheriff. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, to be honest. So, fair play to that. And Inter and Real, Real Madrid just came out on top late on. So, that's a big win for them. And that not all but solidifies their spot, you know, like in the group. But you need a bit of a miracle for them not to come at least second. And on to more important, another game which actually has some talking points to it. Well, I say that on the perspective of the teams but not on the perspective of the game, Barca-Bayern. 
3-0 Bayern. You have this game five years ago, you're like, wow, this could be an absolute classic. But where do you, Ethan, where do you see Barca going in the Champions League this year? Not very far, if you were to ask me that. Um, this is actually the first time I've watched them this season and it just really hit me how much they are in trouble. Like I knew they had a lot of issues, but watching them for the first time, they were just so off it. They barely even created a clear-cut chance all game and they were just completely and utterly scored by Bayern Munich. I mean, Lewandowski, as always, his record in the last couple of years has been absolutely absurd. And again, you have people hating on him all the time, but I'll never understand that personally. Again, he showed he can do it on the big stages. You know, Musiala and Sane, very impressive as well. And just as a collective, Bayern just much of a force they are and as for Barcelona I think they will get out of the group but it also wouldn't surprise me if they didn't I think that they could be a team that potentially you know leads the competition early I'd be very surprised if they got anywhere further than the last 16 for example I think they're just not very good anymore I mean, I know they've got a lot of players to come back from injury which is fair enough so maybe that will help them with the likes of you know Dembele and Sufati etc but not looking good for Barcelona at all I mean it was good to see Pedri back but didn't have as much of an impact on the game as he'd have hoped and the same with the forward players really yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I thought Memphis was actually quite bright in that first half, but De Jong just wasn't quick enough to get away from his marker and it made Barca unbelievably predictable. Like, they could play, Bayern could play that high line that wouldn't get exposed. And I think just from the off, Bayern just looked a team in complete control and it never looked like they'd lose anything. So, on the contrary, Hajir, do you think Bayern can win Champions League this year? I think, obviously, Bayern are one of the favourites to win it, but I don't think they will win it. Uh, I think Nagelsmann might need a little bit more time before <clears throat> before they actually reach like that top top level. Uh, I think the likes of PSG, I'm gonna say Chelsea and Man City uh, are more of a favorite in my eye than what Bayern Munich are. Uh, and then beating Barca final, yeah, like it's nothing to brag about really in my opinion. Obviously they're a good team, yeah, but Barcelona does such shambles. Like they have maybe four or five players that should realistically start for them in 2020 in 2021 that are actually good enough and that's probably like the pie um obviously frankie de jong pedri puig rig uh who more do they have probably like yeah like the see there's like four or five players i've always said this yeah this is an unpopular opinion but i've always said if barcelona uh grabbed uh what's his name matthias de licht that season where my Ajax really blew off and he went to Juventus. I think Barcelona today would be in a different position. I think they would be so much better. Uh, I think it would just change so much. Yeah, going from Lenglet to the to the Licht would, would have been such an upgrade. But that didn't happen, yeah. Uh, and since then things have just gone downhill for them. Like they look terrible. I think whoever plays them in the round of 16 or round of 32, whatever it is, yeah, they're getting slapped up. Like but Barcelona getting humiliated. Because they only have a three or four good enough players. And some of those players, yeah, wouldn't even start for one of the best players in the world. So if you if you actually deep it, yeah, I would probably say just De Jong starts for... He doesn't even start for every team in the world. Like, he's pretty much just the only player that might start for every team in the world. And Barcelona should have at least six, five of those players that should start for every team in the world. But they don't anymore. Yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, I don't think Bayern Munich will win the Champions League this year. I can't lie to you. I still think obviously the defense is good, but I think if you get, I think you can score against them if you're if you're on it that day. So yeah, I don't think they were gonna win it. Yeah, that's all interesting. With the Barca point of view, I'll start with. I agree. 
but I also don't think they're a million miles away from getting back to the top. They just need investment. And the issue with Barca is they've invested before, but we all know how wrongly they've invested, you know. However much on Griezmann just never really did, you know, replicate his Atletico Madrid form and now he's back there. However much on Dembele. Frankie yeah, but Matt, Matt, you know what I think is sorry to interrupt you. You know what I think is, yeah, like, I disagree because I think they have loads to change. First of all, they need to change the manager. He isn't the one. That's the first point, yeah. Second of all, pretty much the whole back line, like all of those, even Ter Stegen, you know, I watch Barcelona Syria. And even Barcelona, Lona fans don't rate him. Like, you, you, yeah. you need to change pretty much the whole back line. So that's five players. Then you have a midfield. Maybe add another star player into your midfield, even though you have Pedri, Puig, De Jong. Maybe another star. So that's six players. And then maybe two good players that can play with Memphis. So that's a, probably around seven, eight players that needs to come in for them to be at the very top again. And the new manager. And I think that would take a year. And especially now in the depth you're in, I just think that is a, such a hard task, especially by the way they, they, they change things like at the very, very top. Like nothing changed, like nothing happens. It like looks terrible. And I wouldn't be surprised if the young leaves soon as, leave soon as, as well. And if the young leaves, yeah, then that team would, would just crumble even more. I hear it, but at the same time, like I definitely agree, right? They're they're a while away from being what they used to be, and they probably won't be back at that stage for a while, right? But I think they could make do with Alba for another season or two. Of I know he got most assists or something. It's not even that. It's just he's not like an urgent upgrade or anything. Um, Arojo's I think is really really good. He just needs a partner. Dest I think is a good player offensively which is, you know, what's so important about wing-backs nowadays. And keeper definitely needs to be upgraded on because they have Neto and Staten. That's just not good enough. I like a few of their midfield options. I like a few of their attacking options. I just think they need someone like Pedro Neto, someone like Bernardo Silva, um, like one other or two other midfielders and a defender and a keeper. So it's a lot of players. And unfortunately, they just won't invest that sort of money for what they need but then again Spanish clubs seem to find money out of somewhere out of literally nowhere so we'll have to wait and see with that but I, on Komen I don't think he's ever going to be the right guy for Barca but I also don't think he's to blame at the moment I think they're scored at, like he did quite well with them last season uh, I think they had what the highest chance creation in the league I watched them quite a bit they were pretty good to watch but obviously losing Messi quite a few players are uh, not there anymore, like Griezmann. Obviously, the pie is coming, which is a great sign-in. But they, they need to invest, really, and they've got to invest smartly as well, not the Barca way they've done in the past. So, yeah, and also want to buy in as well, just very quickly mention. I think what you say about their highline and stuff got exploited so easily against PSG last year, and it's a carbon copy of why a Thiago-type player in football, I feel like, you know, that type of player is so important. You have like a Kimmich Goretzka pivot is absolutely amazing, but someone like Thiago just to sit back, not even sit back per se, just control the game, or have that complete, uh, I guess like a Rice and Didi that type of player, just to you know because Kimmich and Goretzka are far more offensive thinking than they are defensive thinking. They can obviously play both roles that they have you know well in the past, but I think you do still lack that defensive presence. So I think that could be the reason they don't quite win Champions League. But then again, Bayern have unbelievable quality, a very balanced squad, and they always seem to do unbelievably well. And obviously they've got the best young manager in the world practically. So 
you know, no, can't write them off. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that group. I mean, also Benfica Junior now, but I don't think there's much to note on that one. Uh, we'll move on to Ethan's dreaded game to talk about. United, I mean, I watched, I think I went up at half-time, but United were really poor even when they were one up, in my opinion. I didn't, they struggled with chance creation. Young boys had quite a few attacks in the first half and just didn't really amount to anything. But you think if it's United players in those situations, you have a lot more quality, you'll probably score two or three instead. And then obviously the red card happened for Wan-Bissaka, which was a turning point, no doubt. But, you know, United just were really poor throughout, I think. And they deserve to lose, regardless of, I mean, the circumstance definitely won't please you, Ethan. But what, what did you make of it? Do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm being a bit harsh? Um, I don't think we were terrible before the red card, but we certainly weren't great. I mean, the goal was brilliant. One of the only positives from the game, the pass from Bruno was fantastic. Obviously, Ronaldo, you you know, you trust him to stick a chance like that away. But <clears throat> before I go and slander how poor we were, I just want to give massive credit to young boys first. I thought throughout the game, I thought they were absolutely terrific. Again, another example of a team that are the underdog playing in front of their own supporters and just played absolutely brilliantly. And, you know, they were full value for their win. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. In the second half, especially, they, you know, they kept the pressure on us, wouldn't give us a second to breathe. I thought they played absolutely brilliantly. So fair play to them. But on our performance, obviously, we'll start with the red. I mean, you know my feelings about Wan-Bissaka, Matt, but I mean, I'm not going to go into it again. But again, just he's not that guy. But it was a terrible challenge for somebody who's supposed to be an elite tackler. But come from a poor touch and then you know it was definitely red I don't think you can argue with it but then since then you know all went you know terribly everything that could have gone went wrong really like we were really really poor throughout the game didn't have any control at all second half was just a painful watch to be honest like the changes at half time at the time I didn't mind them obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing but people were saying could have done things differently I don't know maybe you could have left Donny van der Beek on somebody who's a more controlled on the ball, but the whole thing was just a mess. All the substitutes were a mess. I don't think, I mean, I'm Ollie in, but I, you know, I don't even think he knew what he was doing in that game. I think his substitutes had no structure to them or anything. He was just trying to get through the game and, you know, their goal was, it was a well-worked goal. He got in front of his man and tapped it in. But I mean, going out with a draw, I'd have been happy with that because it was an absolutely shocking performance and you just take the draw and move on. But again, another terrible mistake from Link. You know, it's a freak accident. It probably won't happen again, but absolutely terrible. And we young boys got their deserved win. But, you know, throughout the game, our attacking structure, like you said, was poor. The subs were incredibly poor. Like, I did no idea what he was trying to do. I don't think there was really any outstanding performances at all. I mean, it's good to see Ronaldo get a goal, good to see Bruno get an assist. But other than that, very, very poor. And it's left us in a really bad, you know, place in the group because next game, which a must win. And we know what our history is in normal time at all five meetings between United and Villarreal have been draws and now that game suddenly becomes massive so going to be a bit nervy for that one if we can win that then I mean I'll excuse it but we need to bounce back against West Ham because you know the morale is on the floor after that even with the fan base like I mean I did think some people went a little bit over the top but it was an absolutely shocking result and one of the I mean I've seen a lot of terrible performances you know post Alex Ferguson but that's certainly right up there it was really poor yeah, I think as well. United, not lucky per se, right? But they're not in as strong a group, group as they were last year. But it does just bring big flashbacks of last year to, you know, when you had to you had to basically do well against the best teams to have a chance of going through. You messed up against Bashak 
2-1 and did you win the other? I don't even know. Yeah, but... I did win the other, but it was that way late that ruined it. Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. But you gave them two goals and that that was in a less embarrassing fashion. Sorry, that was in a more embarrassing fashion for this year. But <laughs> the point still stands, you know, you mess up your game against the easiest team in the group and you make it so you kind of have to get results against the toughest team in the group. And I know United are capable of beating Atalanta and Villarreal, but you put too much pressure riding on that. And all of a sudden, if United draw against Villarreal next game, their group is in a bit more jeopardy than, you know, it should have been. Well, we need six points, really. We've got two own games now. We ideally need to win both. Even if we get four points, we're still probably going to need two more wins. And ideally, you don't really want to go into the last game needing a win anyway. Yeah, exactly. It just puts unnecessary pressure on a group, which isn't easy, per se, because I think it's actually quite a tough group in the grand scheme. You've got Villarreal and Atalanta, who drew 2 too. Quite an interesting game, that one. And they'll both be really tough oppositions for United. But compared to, like, last year, it's a lot nicer of a group. So, I mean, just a really bad result, I guess. Not really much. terrible. Like, it, my head was hot after that. <laughs> Seriously, was. Like... <laughs> We were absolutely, I can't even say one player played well, really. Like, even Bruno, he had a great assist, but the amount of times he surrendered possession in the second half, it was really poor. And, you know, we did miss Rashford in this game because I feel like his directness and pace would have hurt them on the break because no one else really had a clue what they were doing. Um, but that's no excuse anyway. But fair play to young boys. You know, they were fantastic. Their fans got behind them and they got a brilliant result. And they're certainly in this group. People would have written them off saying, oh, they'll come forth. But they've proven in this, they've got enough about them to, you know, get a good couple of good results in this group and potentially go through to one of the next phases. That's what I always find as well about Champions League group stages. They're just, you You play like the, it's the best time to play the best teams because they can, you know, not be as good as they will be if you meet them in the knockout stages and it'll be a lot easier to get points off them. These groups can be very strange and go in weird ways. But yeah, anyways, I'll move on to G and then move on to H as well shortly. Hadjit's team Chelsea. I'll start very quickly with Sevilla Salzburg, which was a really good 5.45 kickoff, the same time as United's. So obviously you didn't watch it, Ethan. But four penalties in the first 40 minutes. Adeyemi won three and 35. Two penalties were missed out of the three. And then Sevilla go and equalise with a pen. And Elnionistri gets sent off a dive in second half. And in general, bit of a bit of a crazy game, really. The first half was nuts, which a bit annoyed I missed, but oh well. That's why I went up to watch the second half. But I was very impressed with Salzburg. That young team, just such an enjoyable side to watch. They really are just the Austrian Leipzig, obviously with you know the Red Bull uh, franchise and stuff. But just the way they play, you know, free flowing young players, so much talent as well with the likes of Adiemi, Yabo, and a few other guys. I mean, their, their track record really speaks for itself. They're like some Mane, Keita, a bunch of other guys, Holland, obviously. Even like coaches like Marco Rose, now Jesse Marsh, and Nagelsmann. I'm not sure Nagelsmann, but a few other guys as well. They've just got an absolute track record for having so many top talents. Sozov's Bly, another one. So it just speaks for themselves and it was really interesting to see them come to Sevilla and give them a really tough game and really agitate them to be honest like the the more experienced players for Sevilla I think they got like four or five yellows or something in the end Navas got a card I know um Fernando got a card just they were just getting really rattled to be honest by them so it was just very interesting to see and Salzburg were very unlucky just didn't really take their chances I guess so 
unfortunately they couldn't quite win that one. And Lil Wolfsburg, I mean, Lil started tragically to the season and Wolfsburg have not really followed too closely, but they drew 0-0, so that's interesting. And I, I think, think these was... results just summed up how tight this group's going to be. Like, there's not really much in between all four of the teams. Yeah. Hajir, on the subject of how tight this group is, if you had to pick a team to win it and come second, who are you going for? I don't, I don't know, to be fair. Which which exact teams are in the group again? Uh, you've got Lille, Wolfsburg, Sevilla and Salzburg. I've, I don't know, you know. I do think Sevilla will go through. Uh, but then the other three teams, I don't think Salzburg will go through, but it's between the other two teams. Yeah. I, really, I really don't know. I think it's 50-50. And any of them can go through. Uh, and to be fair, it's not it's, it's not even certain that Sevilla will go through. You know, like you never know; they, they might bottle it. But like I would assume there are the favorites in that group. Um, yeah. But I don't know between the other two teams. You know, I think Sevilla will go through. If that's first or second, I don't know. But I think they will go through. And I don't think Salzburg will go through. So it's between the uh, the the two other teams then. And between them, yeah, I don't even know. Who do you think? Because I don't I, I don't know. To be fair. I think, I think based on the start of the season, you've got to go Wolfsburg. Like they've started much better than Lille have, but you know Lille yeah. have still got a lot of very good players, so they can pull out of the bag. I think Wolfsburg actually did go down to ten men with about twenty minutes to go, so it actually was a bit of a missed opportunity from Lille to get three points on the board. I think Lille were just so disappointing with a you know the manager got relegated, losing a few key players like Mike Mignon. Um They kept hold of Botman and a few others, but I'm just very underwhelmed by them so far. And if I had to say, I think, I mean, Sevilla is kind of the obvious one, right? But they just drew at home against Salzburg. So we'll have to wait and see with that. But I do think they will still go through, definitely. So I'd probably say Sevilla, Wolfsburg, Salzburg, maybe. And then Lille fourth. Lille fourth is the one I'm fairly, like, the winter. It's just such a weird group, right? Because any of those teams can come top. Yeah. If you're talking about last year's Lille, there's no reason they can't top the group or, you know, get to that stage. But this year's little, they've looked to shambles, but things can turn around in a matter of, you know, moments. It can just click for them. But it's unlikely. I just don't see it, really. So I'll go for Sevilla, Wolfsburg, just about Salzburg and Little. But Salzburg are a really, really interesting team, not just from the fact they drew 1-1, but I just think they're a really interesting team, a bit of an unknown team. I think they beat like Bayern last year or drew to Bayern last year or something like that. So always an interesting one. But uh, we'll go into the final group now. I won't spend this much time on Europa conference, conferences. A lot less notable games to speak about. But I'll go straight to... I mean, I'll quickly just say Malmo lost 3-0 home to Juve. It was, it was over in about 40 minutes. 45 minutes, sorry. When Morata netted a third. I think they got a penalty as well. Dybala scored. So it was just a very self-explanatory win for Juve. And They've started the season horrendously, but they got a much-needed win on the board. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes with, you know, obviously the league confidence and if they can pick things up in other competitions. But I'll move on to the game. I'm sure you'd be waiting to speak about Hajir. Or oh, what did you make of Chelsea's game at Senna? I mean, they're 1-1-0 at home and Lukaku just about managed to get a win for you guys. So what do you think of it? I mean, it, it was a weird one, you know. Last season, we wouldn't have won that game because we had pretty much one chance for the, well, the, chance, the striker had one chance and he buried it. That was a class header from Lukaku, yeah, and it just shows the quality he brings to the team. But we didn't play well at all. We, we, we played terribly, to be fair. And to be fair, that's a, like, like what was the name? Zenit were just on it, you know. Like, it proves my point I made earlier on, on the pod, yeah. Like, 
everybody seemed to be up for it in the first game week, and they were up for it. So we didn't play well at all. But at the same time, yeah, obviously this is in the Premier League. Like in the Premier League, like even the games where you play bad, you need to win for you to become champion. And we got we kind of got those signed against Aston Villa. Yeah, and saying that now, even though Aston Villa when Jorginho came on, we look so much better. But like still, we didn't play well. Obviously, we have some individual brilliant like uh, performing players like Christensen and Rüdiger. I, I honestly think they've been one like two of the best centre backs in the world in 2021. Especially Christensen. I wasn't even a fan of him yet. Like, and I didn't even obviously I cheer for all my players. Yeah, but I didn't cheer for him like that. But he's kind of become my fav- like one of my favorite players. And just shows his quality. Yeah. Like Rolls Roy- Royal Defender, I'm telling you. He is so good. He is literally impeccable these days. He played well. Rüdiger played well. Obviously, Lukaku got his chance. Aspi with the assist. But we didn't play. Like, as a team, we didn't play well. Uh, but we still, we still got to win. And that might be a good thing. It depends on which perspective you watch it in. Yeah. It was a really frustrating game. That is for sure. Like, and... I was unbearable during the game. And maybe that just shows how spoiled Chelsea fans are these days. So when something doesn't go your way, like the way it, sh- well, it should do, you just you just lose it. And that kind of happened to me. But we got a goal. We didn't, cons- like, we didn't consider seeing a goal. Two clean sheets in a row, even though we didn't play well. Um, and yeah, it's a massive three points. But I think when we play Juventus here in the next round, I think we were up for it. Especially when Gula Kante is back. Especially when... Yeah, as Chilwell is back because Alonso has been playing for a while. But at the same time, yeah, when I when I look at Chelsea or when I look at any team in the world, like the best teams in the world, their wingers are world class. Like there are some of the best wingers in their position. Look at Liverpool. Look at uh, Bayern Munich. Like these, the look at City. Like these teams have pretty much world class wingers. While I I still consider Mason Mount as a midfielder. So I'm not counting him in yeah, but. Callum Hudson-Doyle doesn't get his chance on the left, which annoys me with loads. Ziyech plays like he doesn't care. Like, he is terrible. I love Ziyech. I think, I think talent-wise, he's unreal. But, like, he, his performances are just terrible. Vanner, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Vanner, yeah. I, don't, I can't believe he's still playing for us, yeah, with all respect to the guy. <laughs> I, I, I think he's so bad. But who do more? Pulisic is just injured, too. Like, he's just too injured. And Kai Havertz. He plays well. He's inconsistent. I always said, I think to see the best out of Kai Havis, we need to play a four at the back so you have a one more attacker with him. Uh, but still, Mason Mount didn't have a great game either. I can't, I can't consider Sitter and lie. But we just didn't look we just didn't look good at all. But we got a three points, yes. I'm not going to sit there and cry about it, but we didn't play well. Uh, but at the same time, I think when we play Juventus, yeah, I think we'll show them level. So I'm pretty calm yeah, still. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, as you say, you know, when you don't play well and you win, it is a big sign of, you know, I guess a mentality team or an inevitable team, if you will, a team which will go like incredibly far in competitions and then the league. It's just the main thing of not making a habit of it. You know, you can edge games 1-0, but by playing well, you'll have a few games in a season or maybe five to six, seven, eight games in a season where you don't play at all well. And that's when you do need to win 1-0, just like you did against Zenit. And it's important you got three points to start off the group because... To be honest with you, I think you have one of the easiest groups in the Champions League this year, just because of how bad Juve are this season and how good you are as well. So I, I can't see anything going. Yeah, I, I agree. I think our group is too boring. Like I want to have one team. Yeah, we were super excited. Yeah, obviously Malmo is Swedish, so it's kind of exciting, exciting still. But like we're, we're still gonna batter them. Like even yeah. just it's in a it's in a fun game. 
I'll, I would, I want, I wanted PSG in my group because that game would be so fun to watch, and I think we would have beaten them. But at the same time, yeah, I'm not considering crying about us not having tough, tough games yeah, in the Champions League in the group stage. It just makes it easier for us later on. But I agree, yeah, our boring is apart from the Champions of Europe, which we are. The other teams aren't that good. Yeah, even like getting like a Leipzig or something, just like that, that unknown team. I feel like so. I think Juve just so. I mean, if they turn things around, fair enough, right? But I think they made a dead manager appointment. Obviously, lost Ronaldo, and just they're just such an underwhelming, confusing team. And obviously, Malmo. I mean, they're not really going to be much competition to Chelsea. Fair play if they somehow get anything, but doubt it. And also, I'll just quickly say as well, fair play as well. What you were saying about Rudiger and Christensen. I've not really been a fan of either in the past, particularly Rudiger, but just come to admit, the guy's just done so, so well. I know three at the back obviously would help him more because he's a very aggressive defender. And, you know, if you're three at the back and you're aggressive, it's a lot easier to be in that system. So you have more leeway if you step out than you have other guys to cover for you. If you want to carry the ball, which he does quite a bit, and you've got other guys as well to cover for you. But I think the best part about your back three, whether you get found out in a back three and you need to change to a four, I think your best part about a back three is one, it was the main thing is just the versatility of your players, like the, the traits they all have or the qualities they all have. Like Christensen, you saw him play as a six for Denmark when things weren't working for them. Rudiger, as I say, you know, really good ball playing defender. Uh, he, you know, obviously very good defender in other aspects as well. Very aggressive. And Thiago Silva is just a complete package. I don't even care his age anymore. So I think you're in very good stead with that. You could still do it, you know, one more centre back, considering Silver is what, like 36 now, and I absolutely love the guy, but obviously he's not going to be able to go forever. So Matt, do you think one more? Yeah. yeah, that is exactly why I don't want Kunde because obviously Kunde is a superb player in a free at the back and as a backup right back, but I want the proper centre half. Yeah, because uh, I obviously Rüdiger is a unique player. Yeah, he's Andre, but I think Christensen is our best centre back with Silva. I think Christensen this day, he does, like, he's, I love Victor Lindelof, yeah, he's always Swedish, yeah, but, like, Christensen has become what Lindelof should have become, if I, you, you might, you might understand, yeah. Obviously, Lindelof was supposed to be this big, like, big player, aggressive, and I don't even know what, yeah. And I kind of felt like Christensen is becoming that player instead now, so he's unreal, yeah, but I just think we need, we, we just need another, maybe another centre-back that can play in the back, back in, a, in a back four. Even though I do think Rudy and Christensen these days could play in the back four together, because I just think like the way I was you mentioned it, Matt, the way they've they've become better in the last nine months has just been incredible to watch as a Chelsea fan. Uh, but yeah, I do agree with you. We need another centre back. It's quite fascinating to be honest when you think of these guys who a lot of Chelsea fans would have been like, I'll sell these guys at any given opportunity. I remember Rudiger, I think on the Lampard was getting offered to clubs and stuff. And now you just see, you know, his revival. I mean, he's, I'd imagine he's a nailed-on starter for national team and he's a nailed-on starter for club. And there's no reason to argue against that at all, considering how good he's been. So fair play to him would be, you know, just fair play, really. And one final thing before I move on to a conference in Europa League. What do you make of Chelsea's chances of winning the Premier League this year? And, you know, your season in general so far? I, I, I think we win it to the Premier League. I can't lie to you. I really do believe we're going to win the Premier League. I think when our front three, like when Manny Mays, oh, when Mays or Mount, Kai Havertz and Lukaku start finding that chemistry and they find, like, understand each other better, I think they're going to become an unreal front three. 
I do, I, and I think Lukaku is going to bag us so many goals. I think we're going to win the, the Premier League, and I'm also going to. Obviously, I'm not saying we're going to do the double yet, but I do believe we have a chance of winning the Premier League or Champions League this season. I would be disappointed if we didn't win uh, at least one of them. Uh, but I, I think we win the league. I just think we're in. This sounds like I'm big enough for my team, but like I'm trying to say this in the most unbiased way possible. I think we're unreal. I think that like, everybody performs well. We have so many options. Like we have, even though Saul had a tough game, he just needed time to have that. But like we have Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante, Saul as midfield option, which is unreal. We have so many options uh, at the back. Uh, we have so many options uh, for like our front three. Mendy is playing like one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He has everything, the whole package. He is so good with his feet, his distribution comes up across this. His uh, the way he saves saves shots. He just has it all. I do believe we're gonna win the win the Premier League, yeah. And I wouldn't even be surprised. Obviously, it's a hard task winning both, yeah. But obviously, yeah, I do think we can win both. You know, I can't lie. I do think we can win both. Maybe that's a bold that's bold statement, but like, yeah, like still, I do think we can win both. Uh, no, I, I do think we can win both. I think we're that good. I think we have that much versatility. I respect the optimism for sure, and why wouldn't you be right? You got Tuchel who's done phenomenal things for that club and it's amazing how he's transformed players obviously credit to the players themselves but he's played a massive massive part in rejuvenating quite a few players so that's amazing to see and i mean there's I, no I, reason... actually 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 sorry to interrupt you i don't think we're gonna win both i just thought about it yeah it's a really really bold statement but i think we're gonna win one of them and not both it's possible to win both but i wouldn't see it but i think one of them is definitely a very realistic yeah, thing yeah. What, what do you think ethan um they are certainly good enough to win both. I still probably fancy City for the league, but Chelsea probably second favourites. And, you know, we saw how good they are last season in the Champions League and they've just strengthened even more this summer. So I could certainly, yeah, I certainly agree. I think you probably will win one of the two. Um, I mean, doing the double is very, very tough. So that would be one hell of an achievement. But I could see Chelsea winning at least one of the two, yeah. Oh, fair enough. I mean, you can't really argue against it, particularly with how things are at the moment and how things have been. But... One final question I'll just ask on Chelsea as well. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the three at the back and the four at the back. Do you think you'll get found out at any point? And do you think, you know, how, how do you think you'll adjust if you do get found out with a three back? I, I think we'll benefit more from our players if we play back four. I've said this for time. I think I think we need to play back four more often so we, so we can be versatile. I think when we, when we go back to back four, we, it will suit Mason Mount even more. And he's one of the best players. He can play in the number eight position. Reese James, we go back to his right back, like proper right back position. Chilba, we go back to his left back position. We can have the proper wide wingers like Pulisic and Callum Hatsudoy on the wing. Same with Ziyech and Kai Havers as an inverted right winger. I think we would benefit from going back to four to a back four. Yeah, but I just I just need to see it more. Like I need to see us play a back four, in, maybe in the cup, maybe um, in some Premier League games. Yeah, like when things doesn't work out for us and we need a goal, yeah. Switch to a four at the back. Like, just try to be versatile. So, if, God forbid, our three at the back would really get fined out, then you can switch to a four at the back. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Because I was just thinking as well, I mean, not to, obviously, I mean, the only one of the only good things Arsenal have done recently. Uh, unfortunately, we're your bogey team up until this season now. Um, but we were the team we put out that blueprint of just matching you, you know, player for player, really. And managed to beat you. I know it wasn't really the most deserved win in the world, but is that sort of blueprint? And I'm surprised other teams haven't 
replicated that because it was shown how you know it can, you can beat Chelsea by doing that. So if more teams do that, you know, I guess that's when Chelsea would have to adjust to a four. But I think the main thing is as well just not dropping many points when you are adjusting because that is the pivotal time of yeah you know if you can win the league or not because you can't afford to drop point like drop nine points or something in a few months just from adjusting. It's got to be something which is a pretty instant. And if you drop a few points, you know, that may be bound to happen, but you can't afford to drop too many, particularly when City, Liverpool and others are in the league. But anyways, I'll move on to conference league incredibly briefly. I'll go over about two games here because I don't think you want to hear about FK, Jabalonek and CFR Kluge. Uh, so I'll just go to Rennes Spurs, which is obviously the main game in conference. Quite an interesting game, really. I think Spurs started off the game well, and then from when I watched after that, Rens were just all over them, and they couldn't even get a touch of the ball. And then Bergevin went off injured, and they brought on Hoiberg, I think, and that actually benefited them quite a lot. But once again, I mean, I just think Nuno just wasn't the right guy for Spurs, and I think it's just such a negative style and stuff. I think he played a more attacking lineup, though, to be fair to him, and obviously Bergevin coming off wasn't at all ideal for him. And I think... Harry Kane struggled or just didn't look like himself. Quite a few Spurs fans and stuff had said, but I mean, are they, this is by far the toughest team in their group, and it's actually quite a tough game for a Conference League. But you, you doubt they'll, they'll struggle in this competition, really, or at least in the group stages. But it was interesting to see that game against Rennes. I don't think there's too much to say on it. I don't know if you guys have anything to add on it. No, I don't intend to watch too much of the Conference League with all yeah. Spurs. Yeah. Well, I do Spurs. I watch Roma. Yeah. I watch Roma and West Ham at the end of Europa League, but I don't watch Spurs. Yeah, I can't blame you at all. I mean, I only watched, what, the last 25 minutes of the first half, and that was it. And that was probably, like, a decent part of the end of 2-2, so not really one to even keep an eye out on, for, to be honest. Two toughest teams in the group. <laughs> the disrespect. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nah, it'll be an interesting, interesting watch later down the line, I'm sure. Um, but anyways, I mean... I'll move on to the only other game I would be talking about in the Conference League. You being a massive Tammy Abraham fan, had you? And obviously Mourinho used to manage Chelsea. I know what Ethan thinks about Mourinho. But uh, they won 5-1 against CSKA. Don't even know the team, if I'm completely Sophia, honest. I believe. Oh, OK. It just cut off at the end, so I couldn't really see. But Pellegrini, I think he's in talks for a new deal, got to... El Shawari got one, who scored a phenomenal goal on the weekend to win it against Sassuolo. Mancini got one, and obviously your boy Tammy got got another. So yeah. what do you make of Roma's start in general and Tammy Abraham? Obviously, you're a huge fan of his. But I, I can't lie to you. I'm going to say it in a lie. I, I had a game on, but I didn't bother watching it. I just I just watched it when Tammy came on. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't lie to you. So I... Uh, but I, didn't, like, I saw a glimpse of it. I was on my phone. Yeah, so I saw a glimpse of the game. I saw the goals. They look good still. I just think they need to create more chances. They're like they're, the chance creation isn't high enough, and I think they need to create more. Uh, but Tammy played like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and he got his goal, a class goal, like just got in behind, chipped the keeper, and that was a goal, the 5-1 goal. Yeah, he's looking good. He's looking like he's really, really trusted by Mourinho, which obviously fills him up with confidence. He looks really well. We have a buyback clause on him, so hopefully he comes back in the future. But I, 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 do, I, I do believe Roma will win the Conference League. I think they will play Spurs around the semi-final final with Spurs with Bordelite. Roma and Mourinho will dunk them once again and I think they're going to win the whole thing. I think that'll be a tragic game to watch, to be honest, uh, if, at that point, because the honeymoon period would be over for 
Mourinho and obviously we know how Nuno and Mourinho's tactical philosophies <laughs> are in general so I'll probably pass watching that one but what, what do you make of Roma so far this season well, in Serie A do you think that's sustainable or do you think that's just Mourinho's honeymoon period and that'll come to an end surely because they weren't very good on the weekend for example but just about managed to win for an absolute wonder goal from El Shuari. I think I think I think they look organized. I don't even think they look bad during the weekend. As just as I said, yeah, that's the chance they need to create more chances. Yeah, but I think they're playing well. They've obviously won every game this season, I believe. Um, they look organized. Tam is dropping deep, like being part of like he's part of the creativeness in this team. Um, I do believe that they can win the Serie A. The way they're looking, yeah, they're looking really good. And I, I believe when Mourinho has his striker playing the way he is. And Pellegrini and the players around them performing. I don't can't see them can't see them uh, not like not going far. And obviously, people talk about the Mourinho honeymoon period, yeah. But like at some kind of point, like he's gonna perform. Like he's in a league with less pressure. I think he he likes the environment environment there more than he did at Spanish Spurs. Better weather, like everything with Italy just seems better. He has player like he has he got his player he wanted this summer like with yeah. Uh, for example, Tammy, and and I another think he's up for it. Yeah, obviously he won't bottle it every single year. He's a class manager still, and here less pressure, less kind of big rivalries between the the teams. Like they aren't the same quality as it is between maybe a Man United and uh no maybe a Tottenham team and Man City. I think they're a lot more close in in this league, so I think that suits him. Yeah, and I can't lie, I, I think he's gonna win one of the two trophies this season. Yeah, because I just think, especially if Tanner plays, uh, keeps playing the way he is, yeah, he can score goals and get assists and stuff, yeah. Then I, I can't see a problem because obviously they have Ri Patricio in goal as well now from uh, uh, from Wolves. I think it's on loan. So they have a good goalkeeper as well. Uh, so, yeah, I can see them do well this uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point as well in regards to Serie A not being as strong as at the Prem with the top teams, for example. Like a Juve on what Juve used to be, and Inter obviously just lost Lukaku and Akimi, that arguably the two most important players. So they're not as strong as they were. But yeah, I mean, I'll move on to Europa briefly as well. I only talk about what, like five games maybe, because there's a few like interesting games to speak about. I mean, West Ham did really well, kicked off their European campaign, which fans have been long anticipating for years since they moved into the London Stadium. But they nearly got relegated in the time, and then when you least expect it, they finished sixth and start off their season in Europe with a 2-0 win at Zagreb, which was very impressive. Antonio got a goal and Declan Rice, phenomenal player, got a goal. I mean, both phenomenal players, but so good. I didn't even see the goal, to be honest. But I, I saw both. The Declan Rice goal, so literally drove from the halfway line and scored. Literally. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he literally drove from the halfway line and scored with his left foot. Like, he is so good. He has everything. I think he would be so good for Man United. I think, like, he is the perfect... Uh, perfect part of the puzzle like I just think he would be so good next to Pogba so hopefully he doesn't go there I think he prefers Chelsea still but he is an unbelievable player he's the perfect DM he literally got everything you want in a DM I just don't I don't understand people who slander him at all like some people like if you run agendas on certain players or whatever right that's you right but players like Declan Rice I just don't see how you can dislike them like he's just so so good in every aspect pretty much you know why, yeah? That's most of the Chelsea fans. And it's because people think you want the Declan Rice means that you want Jorginho to leave the club, which obviously isn't the case. I think Declan Rice could learn loads from Jorginho. 
Yeah, but that, it's just that really. And I can't wait for the day he joins Chelsea. The meltdown on Chelsea's Twitter would just be incredible. But <laughs> like, if you actually watch him, yeah, you know he's a good player. Like, you can't deny it because if you do, with all due respect, you're a complete idiot. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think Rice walks into pretty much any Prem team there is. Definitely. I don't. I can't really think of an exception. I think the guys are ready. I don't want to say world class because it gets thrown around so easily. But then again, I also do want to say world class for him. But anyways. I'll move on. I mean, Leon won 2-0 against Rangers. Rangers had a really good European campaign last season, but not haven't started this one not too well. Leon has started to pick up a bit of form. 3-0 win at the weekend and 2-0 win now. So, be interesting to see how they do under Bosch. Um, Monaco won PSV and Sociedad drew, which was an interesting game. Leicester-Napoli, though, is probably the main talking point of these games. And Betis-Celtic, which I didn't watch either, but... Better Celtic, I mean, seven game, seven goal thriller. Sorry, very interesting game. Don't think you guys have too much to comment on, though, to be honest. I just so. wanted to talk about uh, Oshiman, really. Like, I don't know if you guys have saw the, the first goal for Napoli, like the build up play and then the brilliant touch of the defender and finish. I mean, it's great to see him like finally come into form after his because people forget how much he actually did cost. But in this game, he really did show what he has got, and I hope it works out for him because I really do rate him. Yeah, definitely. I'm pleased you mentioned him as well because I was about to, and I think this would be the best, the last game to really talk about. But yeah, Osterman was just mightily impressive. I turned on in the second half, and what Leicester were one it up, I think, at that point. Scored an early goal for Jose Perez, which was well taken. Good for him to get confidence, but don't think the guy's good enough at all. Uh, Barnes scored a phenomenal goal as well for Leicester, and indeed he got a second yellow late on. And obviously, Osterman got that brace to level things up. and I think Napoli were a bit wasteful with their chances, but Osimhen took two of his absolutely superbly, and it just showed what type of player he is with you know the whole game, not just the goals, just his movement, his running the channels, his uh, aerial ability. Obviously, that header was brilliant. The control to get to the position to get it over Schmeichel, the strength to get into the position. I think he's just a complete real deal, and for a team like Arsenal, we're crying out for a striker. He definitely should be the guy who's right up there on that list. But obviously, as you said, he costs, what, 70-odd million? So. I mean, yeah, and they're not going to sell him for a loss, are they? That's the only thing. Like, It's not not too ideal, but hopefully Napoli can do us a solid after we've stolen about eight <laughs> players from them. <laughs> Doubt it. But what do you, Hajay, what do you make of both of these teams' chances of winning the Europa? I, I think we're talking about Leicester, yeah? Right? And Napoli. Uh, both of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're strong contenders, but at the same time, I do believe Man United might may, might have a shot of winning the, winning it this year. It's the third year, so soon it's going to be a fear third year, yeah, when he get knocked out. Yeah. And what do you think? We're coming third. I think I, I think you're going to bottle it, pal. Interesting. Oh, I <laughs> and so, I, I mean, it's between Man United, and I don't think I don't think Leicester or what's what's the name Leicester or Napoli will win it. Yeah, I think. This might be a bold shot, but I think West Ham have a big chance of winning the Europa League this year. Interesting. I, Very interesting. I think, I think they look good, yeah. And I think they have, especially with Zuma at the back now, like with all due respect to Dawson, going from, I know Chelsea fans act like he's, like he's a bum, but he's a top, top defender, yeah, for a team like West Ham. Going from Craig Dawson to Zuma is such a big upgrade. And when you have the likes of Sutek and Declan Rice in front of you and Mikel Antonio scoring the goals, I, I just think they have a really, really strong team. So if they stay injury-free, I can see them winning, yeah. But obviously, if Man United do bottle it, they have a chance as well. Well, I hope so. I mean, I mean, if you, if, well. if you have Man United, if you have Ronaldo, then you should win it. 
I've got a question as well. Obviously, you're bringing up United, which we'll have to see if they mess it up that badly. But there are other teams as well because of how strong some of the Champions League groups are. You've got a group of Liverpool, um, Liverpool, Atletico, Porto and Milan. So there's a high possibility a team like Atletico or Milan end up in there, which would be crazy strong because Milan are a really, really good side. And Atletico, we, the talent speaks for itself. And obviously Simeone and tournaments like this. And you've got a group of Leipzig, City and PSG. So there's a really strong, you know, there's a lot true, of teams. True, but like, yeah, but the thing is, that's like a big if button, maybe. I think, I think for time, for like, for now, like all those aside, like forget Man United, which I don't, I don't think they're gonna bottle it. Yeah, I just wanted, I just wanted to to say it. Yeah, well, if they do, <laughs> if they do bottle it, yeah, it's it's peak still. Um, you just get a clip of that and then be like, yeah, look, I called it. <laughs> exactly. The thing is, yeah, that's, obviously we're gonna talk about. Europa League now, but like Atalanta and Villarreal, like they're tough games, especially with fans now. So you never know. Yeah, uh, but That's I mean, another team who would probably drop in. Yeah, but I I do believe what's what's their name? I do I, I do believe Milan will get knocked out. They have a chance, but for now, like just looking at the Europa League teams now, I think West Ham for me, for me are the favourites. Um, but obviously then, like we, we don't know. Maybe even Barcelona might get knocked out. You never know. I would I don't I don't do think they win the Europa League to be fair. But like we we don't know yeah. But like if the likes of Milan, Leipzig, and these are like like come down to the Europa League, I believe. Well, obviously they are they are contenders to win the whole thing. But for now, for me, it's definitely West Ham. Yeah, I just enough. worry about their depth with West Ham. Really, I, like their squad depth is very thin. Oh, oh yeah, I think that's the, yeah. Leicester are a good shout. Their depth is much much better. That that is that is definitely more if they stay fit and they are like up for it. Not obviously. If they, they got players that are injured or like uh, suspended. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna win it. I just don't know. Yeah, Leicester is such a weird team. I feel like yeah, they've, they've recruited so well and they have a top quality squad. A lot of top players are obviously Harvey Barnes, um, obviously Euro Tillemans, players like Fafano, sadly injured, James Justin Pereira, Schmeichel, the likes, and Didi, etc. But uh, they just don't look convincing whenever you watch them. And I don't want to point all fingers at Rodgers, but I also do. I just don't think he's that guy for a team who wants to really be challenging top four. So I think they started off the season really poorly. I don't know how much you guys value XG and stuff, but they weren't very good against Wolves. They were quite lucky to win. They were lucky against even Napoli midweek there when they lost to City, uh, which is fair enough. And I can't remember who else. West Ham. They all bad, didn't they? Or lost, sorry. Yeah, West Ham. They just got absolutely battered. So I don't know. They're such a... They're a team where everyone's like, wow, they're definitely going to finish fourth, fifth, sorry. But, like, they're just such a weird team. just don't know what to make of them at all, particularly even last year. I think they got knocked out by Slavia. Was it Slavia? Yeah, no, yeah. not was yeah, it. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, Slavia. They got knocked out by Slavia over two legs, and they were poor as well. So, I just don't think they have it, at least in European competitions, to get to that final stage or no, win fair. it. But then again, I think out of all the squads on paper, their depth is much, much better than the likes of West Ham. I think that's why they will go fairly deep. Because, like, you look, they can bring in the likes of Samare, Daka, Ian Acho that haven't even been starting in the league just to play in the Europa League. Yeah, it's a ridiculously stacked squad, but... And they really should be competing more. Uh, But they just don't look convincing. And I understand some teams in the past don't look convincing and do well. But I feel like nowadays, because of the strength in the Prem, the strength in other competitions... It will kind of catch up to you, I feel like. Yeah, fair. Kind of has been Leicester these last few seasons. 
But yeah, I think that just about wraps up the pod. Thank you, Hajay, for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you. My, my pleasure as well. Um, but yeah, as always, if, if you want to interact with us on Twitter, follow at Big6Pod. Uh, Hajay, I mean, if you don't already follow him, his link will be in the Spotify, so follow him. And yeah, have a great rest of your day and enjoy the football on the weekend. Take care.